0: what's up horror babies welcome back to horror struck a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and a scaredy cat i am riley ott i am joined by my co-host and best friend cecilia talbert this week we took a look at the 2012 film sinister directed by scott derrickson
1: spoiler warnings for sinister i'm gonna spoil this whole movie be ready
0: you sound ready. You sound very determined. You've been wanting to talk about this movie for so long, and you have so much to complain about, I can already tell.
1: That's rude. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Oh, okay, sure. So I assume this is a five out of five star movie for you then?
1: I'll tell you in a little bit. You want to you wanna do a little catch up first?
0: Ugh, if we have to. How are you? <laughs> What's going on? How's life?
1: Uh, I played Mission Impossible with the uh, mailman today, but other than that, good.
0: So you scaled a
1: building while you were waiting for the mailman
0: to drop off a package? Is that what that means?
1: No, but I was just like, I felt like I drove back and forth and I saw the mailman, so I turned back around. It
0: was a wild adventure.
1: It was a wild adventure I did to bring a package in for work. Uh, other than that... I, I just been working. I started, I might have talked about this on Texas Chainsaw, I can't remember. I started Station Eleven. I like it a lot. I also started Archive 81 because everyone's talking about it and I'm on episode three and I like it. I heard it starts to really ramp up so I'm a little confused about what exactly is happening between the two main characters because I guess spoiler warning sort of I don't think not really because they haven't explained it but you're following a character in present day who restores like old videotapes and things of that nature and he's been hired to go to this wealthy like compound and he's all by himself and he's restoring these old tapes that were involved in a building fire and so the tapes were made by a a history student or like an anthropology student but it was in the 90s but the third episode starts with them having a conversation oh I don't know what that means yet I don't know if our main character is losing his mind if there's some sort of weird like time warpy thing happening okay hopefully it gets explained
0: yeah i've been wanting to start that because i've heard a lot of good things about it uh someone who i really like oh the guys who did the endless directed a few episodes of this and i've heard it described as like mike flanagan liked i'm like okay i'll i'll look into it okay yeah oh speaking of station 11 i'm almost done with the book i should be done with it by tonight I don't, have you been watching anything else? I haven't really been watching anything.
1: Did I talk about finishing Disappearance at Devil's Rock or did I just tell you on Marco Polo?
0: No, it wasn't on here because you had finished Sur- Survivor Song the last time I had talked to you. So you read another Paul Tremblay book?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if we should announce this now, but we are in talks with interviewing Paul Tremblay. So I'm um, going through his books right now, the ones I haven't read. And I just finished Disappearance at Devil's Rock and it's really good.
0: Yeah. I like that one a lot.
1: I think I liked Head Full of Ghosts only a little more. I really like Disappearance at Devil's Rock. Very Lake Mungo vibes. Yeah,
0: I think I I like a Head Full of Ghosts more than I like most books in general. And I think that's because it has such a like Shirley Jackson-esque vibe to it. But Disappearance of Devil's Rock is definitely my second favorite out of his books. It's phenomenal.
1: One of the things I really like about Paul Tremblay is it's Tremblay, right? Tremblay.
0: Like Jacob Tremblay. Is it Tremblay? Yeah.
1: I thought it was Tremblay, because they in the audiobooks, they they always say Paul Tremblay.
0: That is not how I've heard it in all of the interviews. I could be wrong, though. I, I, I don't know. We'll ask him when he comes on the podcast,
1: but <laughs> the one thing I really like about his writing is that it's very realistic horror, and he does it really well.
0: There's some of the scariest books I've read, too. Like, I've read a good chunk of Stephen King, and... I don't think any of them have actually scared me. I think A Head Full of Ghosts is the only book that has legitimately, like, scared the shit out of me.
1: Yes, so add it to your Goodreads, Disappearance at Devil's Rock, and Headful of Ghosts.
0: Speaking of, I have read another Stephen King book. I got another one off of the checklist. I finished Dolores Claiborne, so it's like the, the sister book to Gerald's Game, and it was connected in a way that I didn't expect it to be, I really liked it. Pet Cemetery is probably still my favorite, but this was a very close second. It was really, really good.
1: Does it matter what order you read this one or Gerald's Game in?
0: I would read Gerald's Game first. Okay. Which I also really, really like. But they came out back to back, so yeah, I think Gerald's Game came out first, so I would read that one first.
1: Did you see the trailer for the Foo Fighters horror movie that's coming out in, I think, February?
0: Yeah, you sent it to me, and I'm so confused why no one is talking about this, because it looks so fun.
1: It looks so funny. What is it called? Is it going to streaming?
0: I have no idea. It's called something 666. Studio
1: 666. It looks very funny. It's a black horror comedy about how they're... They're going to record their next album in this like notoriously haunted house and Dave Grohl gets possessed by a demon. Oh, it looks so good.
0: It looks great. I'll I'll put the, the trailer on the Horror Struck Twitter. I don't know how I haven't heard of this. It's coming out next month, but whatever.
1: But yeah, I think that's, is that everything we want to talk about? Anything else you want to talk about up top?
0: I don't have anything else.
1: All right, then let's jump into the main event.
0: Finally, my favorite movie. Let's talk about it.
1: Riley has picked for us to watch what used to be considered the scariest film of all time scientifically, and that is Sinister. So I have seen this before. If if you've listened to our, our very first episodes, I have talked about how much I did not like Sinister. And I did go into this movie with an open mind because I haven't seen it. I only watched it the one time, so I never watched it with the hindsight of knowing the twist. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get more out of it knowing the twist and I won't be so judgmental. About how this script is written. Mm -hmm. Nope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, knowing the twist made it worse.
1: My feelings are, are about the same. Except at least I didn't get that major disappointment at the end when you get the twist. And I was like, really?
0: Here's the thing. I did not have the privilege of ignorance before I went into this movie. Because you have talked about it before. And I have seen the sequel already. So I knew what the twist was. Wow, does the movie suck when you know what the twist is? Because logistically, doesn't make any fucking sense. I do like the setup of this movie, which is very disappointing knowing what is going to happen. The, the first half of this movie is great, and then it shits the bed. When it gets to the obligatory demonologist and all of the exposition, I think they really, really doubted the audience's intelligence, and you can tell they're just spoon-feeding you by the end of it.
1: This is like The Ring, but dumb.
0: Yes. Another big problem with this movie is that it really wants to be like a big-budget cookie-cutter horror film. It doesn't want to be interesting. Yeah, it doesn't want to be smart. It wants to be a cookie-cutter horror film it drove me insane you know what else sucks all the fucking cliches of like i'm gonna ignore all of this danger in my house and oh my child has an imaginary friend it's a ghost oh i'm gonna move my family into this crime scene because it's got a great price (laughs) and we're poor like okay oh
1: my god yeah i I don't remember if they reveal the demons, Mr. Boogie's real name. like Because they do in the second one, it's Bagul. But his plan is so fucking complex. Like, if if you ever wondered, like, what would happen if an ancient Babylonian demon became a film student, it's this movie.
0: Yeah, why was he so pretentious? Also, they do say his name in the movie, because I remember them saying Bagul, and I went, that just means boogeyman. This is stupid.
1: Yeah, it's his plan is so complex that he got really lucky that the family ended up doing every single thing in the plan because there are so many deviations that could have happened where I don't know what he would have done.
0: I agree. It's too complicated.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's scary.
0: I understand and we'll talk about what the whole thing that this boogeyman does is when we get into the plot. I do appreciate The sense of dread that the movie sets up from the very beginning because it works well with what happens.
1: There are some good things.
0: Yeah, I don't like the ending, but it it makes sense with what happens. At least the very end, the part about that moving doesn't make any sense, but whatever. I do have things I like about it. Do you want to hear them?
1: Yeah, tell me about them. Maybe we have the same things. Because I also do have things that. Upon a rewatch, I was like, okay, that was done. Well, I wish they would have done more of that.
0: Yes. Yeah. which, okay, first one, I think the actual, like, snuff film parts of the movie are filmed really well. Oh, yeah. And it was really interesting when you, like, especially the swimming pool
1: one. The lawnmower one is so scary.
0: Dude, the lawnmower one pissed me off. Actually... Here's the thing. I don't understand why this was the scariest movie, because it's nothing but jump scares. When the movie does try to be, like, subtle, that's when I got kind of jumpy. Like, when you see the the demon on the laptop screen, and then suddenly he, like, moves his head, and you're not sure if you really saw that. I thought those were good scares. But just the loud, like, the loud music to be a jump scare and, like, little demon kids popping out at you. Those were all stupid. I hated that. I thought the score was really good, speaking of the big loud sounds.
1: Yeah, I do like the score for this movie.
0: Overall, it was really good, yeah. My favorite part of the movie, though, is Ethan Hawke's performance. It was a really, really good idea to have him be a, like, a true crime writer, basically, Because he's desensitized to what he's seeing already, because that's what he looks into. He looks into, like, people and kids who have been murdered or have gone missing or whatever. So the more he descends into madness, the more you know, wow, this is really, really bad, because this guy's used to seeing all this shit. I I thought he was good. I thought the... The house being like a, a metaphor for him trying to make sense of his work and then that ending ultimately in his downfall was a good idea. I don't think they executed any of it well, though.
1: I don't hate Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is a very good actor. Okay. His character is so unlikable that I am not upset that he ends up dead at the end of this movie. Not at all. Wow.
0: Spoilers. <laughs> um.
1: Uh, I felt bad for his wife. I felt like... How they write it is almost victim blaming.
0: My favorite scene in the movie, speaking of his wife, is the argument that they have in the bedroom when she's like, hey, you're going crazy because of this book. That's what happened last time. That was the best acting overall from both of them.
1: But it's almost like the movie is saying because she decided to stay with him and not leave, she deserved to die at the end. And I didn't like that.
0: I did not read it that way.
1: And I don't think that was their intention, but that's okay. that's what I read. Because they read that they clearly had a strained relationship and she was just kind of putting up with it.
0: Well, I think that's only when he's writing stuff like this and it had been 10 years in between that.
1: No, it had been 10 years in between him writing a good book.
0: Oh shit, poor guy. What was it called? Kentucky Blood.
1: Kentucky Blood.
0: And the cops fucking hate this dude. Because
1: he wrote two or three other ones and then he wrote one. He wrote one, I think it was the one right before he started writing the one he was working on, that he came up with a wrong theory and let the person they're pretty sure was the murderer, like somehow it got him out of jail.
0: Oh okay, so it's like scream if Gail had been wrong.
1: And that's why the cops are pissed at him.
0: Okay, Oh. Whatever, it happens.
1: I have a problem with him as a true crime writer, and maybe that's because a lot of the true crime writers I like are women. Like, even though they've been around a lot of shit, they are very sympathetic, and they do actually want the crime solved. They just don't want the notoriety, but I understand that's his character flaw.
0: Yeah, there's no point where they ever try to make you think that he actually wants justice. They show those old interviews, Yeah, and you can uh... tell he's just insanely egotistical which is also what makes him, Hate him. stay in the house. Hate That's, him. I mean, I, I like the way they wrote his character because he does make sense. Like a normal person would find those home movies or whatever and never look at them again. But because he already has this morbid curiosity because of his job and his like willingness to do all of this because he wants the notoriety, it makes sense that it kept Going further and further.
1: Yeah, I understand the logic behind his character. I just really don't like his character. That's My favorite character in the whole movie is Deputy So-and-so. Oh my god, I loved him. Uh, I feel so bad that the sequel was awful, not his fault. It is one of those things that as you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, I I want him to be in the next movie.
0: Well, okay, so as I was watching, I realized, oh, that guy's like one of the main characters in the sequel. And I really like him as a character in this as a side character, but I don't think, and obviously he couldn't, I don't think he could carry a whole feature film with just that character. Because he's basically Barney Fife. Like, he's he's a goof.
1: But he's also smarter than Ellison. Like, the fact that he realizes, oh, this is, it's very obvious when you look at murders. How
0: didn't he realize that pattern, though? Because I realized that when they talked about it- How did any of the
1: cops realize these are all white people, rich white people dying? How did they not realize? I don't know.
0: Dude, when they moved back into their old house, holy shit, it was enormous. No wonder they couldn't afford it. Could
1: you imagine if, like, the Lutzes moved out of the Amityville house and then were all murdered? Like, that wouldn't be a story.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the house wouldn't be- but the murder probably still would be. I, I wish they would have, like, when they talk about it in The Conjuring, and they're like, well, the demon's basically a parasite. It's just going to latch onto you and follow you. So don't leave. It's not going to matter. I wish they would have just done that. I think they were fucked either way. I don't know.
1: What is the random stipulation that you have to leave the house?
0: What? Oh, right, right.
1: The stipulation that it doesn't murder you until you move. It's so dumb. What if a nice family moved in with somebody who had a conscious conscience and never watched those films and turned them into the police? What does he do then?
0: I assume just tortures you anyway until... Well, we'll talk about all this while we talk about the plot. We, we gotta do that or this is gonna go on forever. <laughs> Unless you have any other things you would like to get off your chest before we move on.
1: Yeah, I like the hanging tree and I like how they frame it in a lot of the shots. I thought that was very well done. It's a cool set piece. Yeah. There are a lot of jump scares in this movie that are dumb, like the box. We'll talk about that when we get to it.
0: All of the jump scares were dumb. There was only one that I thought was really good.
1: So our movie begins,
0: unfortunately,
1: with a snuff film. What is this one even called? It's like hanging out with my family.
0: Yeah, something like that. They're all like double meaning, Cheekly like Pool named. party or barbecue or hanging with the fam, literally, because they're, you know, hanging from a tree.
1: Yeah, so they're these films that are shot on, I think, Super 8 Four family members, bags over their heads, nooses around their necks, a chainsaw, saws a limb, and they are pulled off the ground, and they are all hanged. Sinister! That's how the movie begins.
0: Yeah, they do not ease you into it, and they do not ever set up any false security, which I appreciate.
1: Then we go right from the snuff film to a new family moving into that house, and that family is the oswalt so we have ellison the dad who's played by ethan hawk we have tracy the mom who's played by juliet rylance and then would they have two kids so they have ashley who is played by claire foley is that who i think it is i might be thinking no i think i'm thinking of someone else. you're thinking of
0: it's not claire foley
1: it's not it's so close though yeah. and then they have a son trevor <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, who is played it's by... It's not
0: Trevor's me. fault, sorry. I just, I hate that name. I don't know why. Yeah, he's
1: played by Michael Hall Diadrio. You find out very quick that the wife does not know why they've moved in, into this specific house. She should. There's also cops just hanging out outside watching. There's a lot of stuff up top. We see the daughter drawing on the walls and her dad's like, yeah, we're a cool hip family. Just remember, only paint in your room. You got it, Dad. Here's a unicorn.
0: That was so stupid. The second I saw her painting on the walls, I was like, okay, she's going to make a creepy drawing of something later. Yeah. That's such a... Cliché. Stop making kids draw weird shit. I don't care.
1: Ellison is immediately confronted by the local sheriff who pulls up and has to tell the other cops to leave because the other cops are, like, fanboys. They want an autograph.
0: I don't know why the other cops liked him because he...
1: Because they like his first book. It's, ooh, a celebrity. That's fair.
0: Yeah, the sheriff is uh, a huge dick, which I guess is fair if this guy's like freeing guilty people. But whatever.
1: Yeah, he's very just. You know, you haven't written a good book for ten years. That last book you wrote, freed a criminal.
0: Blood Diner. Yeah, like, that wasn't my fault. Right. Your bad theory you helped a killer go
1: free. You ruin people's lives. Now this town doesn't need that. It needs to heal. It needs to forget. And we sure don't want that circus that you bring with you. He also looks at the house and goes, Don't you think living here is in bad taste? He
0: is right, because then his wife is like So right. Don't tell me we moved two doors down from a crime scene. He's like, Uh nope, not two doors down. Like, no, you moved into one, you piece of shit.
1: You would think that if your husband has a pattern of moving you into murder houses, you would you would just Suspect.
0: All I wanted was a scene of her like going to the grocery store or something and someone being like, You're in the murder house, you fucking weirdos, or them like getting bullied at school because they're in the murder house or something. I wish it would have come up more naturally when she does find out.
1: Well, and the likelihood of her not stumbling upon anything about it. Right? Like,
0: Google your address
1: seems very odd to me. This would have made more sense if they had set this movie, like, in the 70s. Yes. But yeah, even just, like, you put your address into Google because you just want to see, like, oh, I just want to see, like, what's around my house. Like, where's the local grocery store? The the article would pop up right away. It
0: seems like this man woke them up in the middle of the night and was like, pack your things, we're fleeing, and they just had no time. Okay, daddy. To comprehend what was happening, which seems accurate for the character.
1: Daddy goes upstairs as he's putting a box upstairs. Is that when the scorpion happens?
0: Yeah, there's a box and a scorpion is under it and it's kind of, you know, moving around. So it makes the box look like it's moving by itself.
1: Yeah, and so he smashes a scorpion and then he finds a box.
0: Of home movies.
1: Old home movies. So that's quite fun. And he just brings it downstairs. He's like, oh, I guess I'll look at this later.
0: I guess that makes sense because he's like, oh, maybe this is the families who lived here that died. Maybe I can get a glimpse into their life. But I guess you do for a few seconds. Their life and their death.
1: Full circle there's a dinner scene and the son's like, tell me about what's going to happen because I'm just going to find out about it at school, which fair point. I don't know why they're going to keep it a secret from him.
0: That's what I'm saying. And it seems like Trevor was like bad at school. So you would think there'd be a scene of like him fighting with a kid or something. You know what else? Speaking of the dinner scene that I hated, why is the lighting in this movie so weird? It was Pitch black in their kitchen.
1: You don't like to eat by darkness.
0: No, I don't know how they were visible on screen because there was no light coming from anywhere. Half of the movie I couldn't even fucking see. So how could it be scary? I don't know what's going on.
1: But you do see the tree so that's fun.
0: Yeah, lets you know where you are.
1: Yeah, they have dinner with the family, and then they do mention that they haven't sold their old house. So like, yeah, we're paying two mortgages right now. That's why we can only eat out this one time. And then everyone goes to bed and Ellison has a conversation with his wife, Tracy, and it just kind of to establish that, you know, he hasn't really had a hit book since Kentucky Blood, and that was 10 years ago. She's kind of over him being a book writer. She's like, you should find a new job.
0: Well, I don't think it's even that. She's like, I like it better when you write fiction, because the last time you wrote a book like this, things went so poorly. You know, I don't
1: think I can do this again.
0: No, you're not gonna have to. No, you mean it. If this goes sour like last time, I'll take Trevor and Ashley and go back home to my sisters. Which is there, and it did. And you know what she didn't do? Leave. Probably should leave the kids with him though. That's gonna that's gonna go bad.
1: Does that mean that the little girl would have had to get on get on a bus and be like, I gotta go find my dad now too?
0: I gotta go cut my dad's head off. Be right back.
1: And then Ellison sets up his murder office. So he has a murder board, putting all the stuff up and then he decides I'm gonna watch these home videos and see what's on here. And at first it's really nice. It's the family just hanging out together and then all of a sudden it just turns into the snuff film of the, the tree and the hanging. Oh, and I guess I should say the main reason he is telling people that he is doing this case is because all the family died except the youngest child who is missing.
0: There's a missing girl involved
1: here. She ain't missing, she's dead. Come on, you don't know that. If that girl is still alive, then it ain't no miracle and we ain't ever gonna find her. Well, then I guess we should just let it go, huh? So his thought is, oh, I'll solve the case and then we'll find the little girl, I guess?
0: I guess so? I don't know. Okay, so the found footage movies, I really like the setup because all of them start out with, like, this pleasantry and then they cut to in cold blood murder i don't know i just i feel like it kind of mirrored his descent throughout the film like the juxtaposition of the the nice family stuff versus the true crime stuff
1: you would think at this point okay i've got a film of the family being murdered a thing the cops don't have a thing that might help them solve the case should i call the cops yeah so he calls the cops At the last minute, he looks over and sees his book, Kentucky Blood, on the bookshelf and decides, I need a hit. And then he hangs up. I'm gonna keep these films to myself.
0: He's gonna do it himself. And honestly, (sighs) at that point, I was still on his side. Because do you know what percentage of crimes police actually solve? Like, two. Fuck him. Do it yourself. He's still dumb, but... Horror movie cops especially are fucking morons.
1: There's so many ethical problems with this.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's definitely considered evidence and he probably shouldn't be withholding it. And that's definitely a crime. But I don't think this man cares.
1: No, we do get our first uh, like real jump scare of the movie, which is after he decides not to call the cops, he hears a noise and his daughter is just in the laundry room. We get a jump scare of her just standing there going, I can't find the bathroom.
0: Does that happen? Because we get another snuff film. He watches that one and then he watches the one with a different family with the car. Does that happen after the little girl bathroom jump scare yeah it does okay the jump scare was dumb as fuck i was just annoyed
1: the jump scare is dumb it's just her standing in the in the laundry room confused about where the bathroom is and then her dad taking her to the bathroom and taking her back to bed and then he goes back to watching the films
0: he's a bad dad why did no one show these kids where anything was
1: i think the idea is she's just tired and she because it's a new house she doesn't know where to go because he even stands outside of the bathroom in the corner. Shut waits up. to get done and and he directs her the correct way. All right.
0: Okay, now now we get the the different stuff film.
1: Yeah, he tucks the daughter in. There's, there's those sad wall paintings that look like the unicorns just like with like rain over them. And then he goes back into his murder office and he watches the the fishing trip. Which ends up just being a family, like, going on a fishing trip and then cut to the snuff film, which is the car in a garage with a bunch of chains on it. Uh, Everyone's tied up in the car and then the car is set on fire.
0: That was my least favorite one.
1: Oh! You were semi-right. He doesn't call the cops until after this one.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's when he calls the cops.
0: Whatever, I guess it doesn't matter what the order, because he was never going to try to get their help anyway.
1: No, because he's a shitty person who just wants to better himself and in the end he gets his whole family killed.
0: Yeah, that's what happens when you have a big ego. Get your head cut off, I guess.
1: Oh, and then we get the dumbest jump scare of the whole movie, which is he's about to watch Pool Party 66, but he hears a noise in the hallway, so he goes out to check and there is a random moving box just like in the middle of the hallway And as he gets closer to it, his son spider like bends backwards out of it. And there's like, yeah, he sleepwalks, you know, he does weird stuff like puts himself in a moving box.
0: Yeah, it looks like um, when Reagan walks down the stairs backwards in The Exorcist, except not scary.
1: It's so dumb because it cuts from there to the morning. They're just like, oh, he's so silly. Remember that time he almost peed in the dryer? And I'm like, well, that makes sense because you're groggy, you're tired. Maybe you think the washing machine or the dryer looks like a urinal. Nobody's like, I'm tired and groggy. Let me climb into a box and close the lid on myself and wait till my dad walks past so I can go
0: Maybe in his dream, he was like, I don't know, a YouTube prank star and that was his prank.
1: No, it's dumb.
0: When I worked at the grocery store, there was a guy who had seizures sometimes. Most of the time, he would get confused and then go to the back room and find a drain and try to pee in it. We were like, oh no, he's having a seizure. What do we do?
1: You mean he didn't want to just put himself in a box?
0: You know, you would think. I'm glad he didn't because he probably would have ended up in like the cardboard baler and... That would have been a mess. Oh,
1: man. Yeah, I think this box scare is the cheapest scare I've ever seen in a horror movie.
0: I think a... Uh, I don't know. A lot of them were. I did not like the jump scares. I think it's so cheap. I just... I... <sighs>
1: Some of the other ones, at least I think made sense, but like this one makes no, no sense.
0: I don't know. I didn't like any with the little demon kids. I thought those were so stupid.
1: That long scene where he's like walking, looking, like looking for noises and they're like slow running in the background. Like this is so dumb. Why are we doing this?
0: Yeah, that's kind of where the movie jumped the shark for me was when they introduced the demon kids. I
1: just stopped caring.
0: But yeah, then, uh... Oh, he does. He watches another one. He watches the pool party one.
1: So they have their morning thing where they brush off their son being in a box. And then I'm guessing that the kids go to school. So he decides to watch the pool party snuff film, which is a family having fun around the pool. And then it cuts to them being tied to like pool chairs, them being pulled into the pool. So they drown. And then we see Mr. Boogie for the first time.
0: Yeah, this is the first time we see the boogeyman. I want him to be scary, but he looks like if you replace Chris Angel's head with a sweet potato and then put it in the microwave, and that's what he looks like. He's not scary. I
1: just kept calling him a sad hobo clown.
0: He does. He looks like a sad sweet potato magician clown. He needs to pick one lane and stay in it.
1: It almost seems like he could have, I don't remember if they have it in the first it, remake or they put in the second one where they're just like yeah the guy used to belong in a circus
0: uh they do a scene with that in the first one where they like have him performing in a circus
1: i think mr sad hobo clown could definitely belong in that circus
0: maybe he was friends with pennywise he scoops
1: the elephant's dung
0: he looks like he would and he would like it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah mr boogie doesn't like that he can see him so he sets the film on fire
1: I hate it because at this point, they are building up this, like, interesting mystery because Mr. Boogie is standing, like, in the pool and just kind of looks to the camera. This could be really cool. But he is- this fucking demon is so lazy, he has to have fucking kids do his work for him. Fucking lazy piece of shit. That's the thing. I don't understand,
0: like, can he logistically not do these things himself? I don't know. Because he's, like- Trapped in this realm, and you got a blue skadoo into the movie <laughs> to be in his shadow realm. I don't understand. And also, is he giving the kids strength? Because how the fuck did they put their parents in a noose on the tree? Kids aren't strong. No. I understand that you can drug people and like drag them around, but you cannot lift their bodies no
1: yeah a lot of kids are weak unrealistic i'm like how are these little kids doing this they're not
0: explaining the parts that really need explained like i i can use my imagination for a lot of like demon shit but logistically i need to understand how these kids are doing this
1: because i think it would make more sense if he is setting it up and just having them commit the actual kills as a way to taint their souls but yeah, it just seems like he's a creepy cult leader who has seduced these kids into believing in the Demon Bugul cult ways and then the kids are doing all of the work, but they have they have little tiny fingers. How are they doing it all? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Kids are weak as shit. I should
0: know. I watched 3 of them and I could beat all of their asses. <laughs> yeah. I don't, and I'm not planning on it, but like No,
1: you're right. Yeah. They're
0: little. I don't know. But then they they set it up so you think that, oh, Trevor is going to be the bad kid because he's drawing spooky shit on the the class board and stuff.
1: Yeah, but they don't even establish that it's the kids doing it until the very end. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I guessed right off the bat that the missing kids were involved.
0: Because there's a kid missing from each of, yeah, all of the murders. At that point, it's like, are they, they're not really trying to hide the mystery, but, like, where are the kids becomes the mystery.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, when Mr. Bagul gets very mad, Ellison has seen him and lights the the thing on fire. Ellison decides, I'm going to make digital copies of all these. And
0: that's how he, like, lets him in, I guess, because he's got to...
1: It's like the opposite of the ring. Oh, yeah, kind of. So Scott Derrickson directed the film, And it was written by him and C. Robert Cargill. I'm pretty sure they said... The moment that he can't turn back is the moment he decides to not tell the cops. And that's the moment Bagul gets in.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it had something to do with the screens because later he talks to the demonologist and there, I don't know, there's some...
1: About the images, yeah. Yeah,
0: dumb exposition about that.
1: Poor Bagul. Before he became a film student, he used to have to just do cave paintings and hope that people like looked really close.
0: They weren't good. That's why he got forced into the shadow realm, I guess.
1: Yeah, so recording these films probably isn't a great idea. But whatever, it's fine. His kid comes home from school and gets in trouble because he drew the hanging tree with the family hanging at school on the dry erase board in permanent marker.
0: Why did he do that? And this kid isn't even the one who's going to be possessed. He's just a shitty kid.
1: Yeah, he's just traumatized because he must actually know what happened in the house. It's not that hard to figure out once you see the tree. Or have the internet.
0: Yeah, you would think. It was 2012. Just Google it, you fucking weirdos. Whatever. Anyway.
1: It's night again. Yay. Oh, time for more snuff. Things tense with wife. Yeah, through the whole movie. So he's still fighting with his wife. And then he decides, I'm going to go watch. I'm going to go watch Sleepy Time 98. Uh, we get no happiness in this one. It's just family tied to a bed and then their necks getting slit.
0: And there's a puppy. But thankfully, they do not
1: hurt the puppy. And he's able to get a clue because he's able to see the name of one of the high schools like in the background. So that'll help him later when he gets deputy so-and-so to do all the work for him. After he watches this film, he starts to hear some noise. So he goes uh, to explore and he goes up into the attic. That's when we get the scare with the snake. Mm, Okay. Uh, It's the lid of the box of the films. In the lid of the box are the different murders, but it looks like it's drawn by kids. So I wonder who's doing
0: the murders. Oh my God. Hmm. Do you think it might be kids, or it could be me. I'm really bad at drawing. That's probably what it would look like if a demon told me to make a painting. And then Allison falls
1: through the ceiling. Oh my
0: god. Crash through the ceiling, dumbass, is what I wrote. Why was I so mad at this man?
1: But this leads up to uh, the cops showing up and the paramedics showing up because they bandage up Allison's leg and deputy so-and-so is there because he must have been like, I thought I heard noises. And deputy so-and-so is the best part of this whole movie. Ellison's like, oh, you know, I thought I heard something upstairs. Actually, you know, I found a snake up there. The deputy goes, snakes don't have feet.
0: I'm guessing that you got squirrels with no way in and out up there and all the power going off in the neighborhood. I, I bet that they got spooked from the sound of everything shutting down at once. You know how they are. Not really. I'm not really a squirrel guy. Oh. <laughs> I did kill a scorpion when we first moved in here, though, so maybe I should get an exterminator. But scorpions have feet, but you wouldn't hear them like you would squirrels. He's right. I, what could be stomping around up there?
1: He is so funny.
0: I do start to hate Allison because the, the cop is just trying to help. And Ellison's like, oh, I could easily manipulate this man. And that's exactly what he does. He's like, hey, I need you to give me all of this information that you shouldn't give me. And the cop is a fan. So he's like, okay, I need your autograph, please.
1: I like that they don't make Deputy So-and-so a complete idiot. Yeah, because when Allison's like, oh, I'm going to get you to do all this for me, he takes him into his office because he's like, I'll give you one of my copies of Kentucky Blood and I'll sign it for you. And the cop just walks right into the office and he's just like, oh, look at your murder board. This is nice. Oh, my
0: God. He would think he'd be like, D- what do you know that I don't know? Why is all of this connected? What evidence are you withholding from the police?
1: Especially all the images he's been printing from, like, because he's been recording the the films. So he's been taking pictures from the films and putting them on his board. And then
0: he tells him, like, no, 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 none of that's connected. It, It is on your board, motherfucker.
1: Yeah, cop leaves and then he falls asleep watching an interview of himself.
0: Oh, yeah, and his wife walks in and is like, oh... Remember when you said all this nice stuff and it was obviously a lie and you're just hungry for fame?
1: Interviews of him from 10 years ago when his hit book came out.
0: What feels better, seeing justice done or seeing your, your book, Kentucky Blood, number one on the New York Times bestseller list? The Justice. And without question, I'd rather cut my hands off than write a book for fame or money. All right, buddy, cut your hands off. It's time.
1: Somebody's going to lose their head, that's for sure. Yep, so the next day comes about. Boogie tree background.
0: Oh, yeah. he's So he's watching through all the videos. He starts to see Mr. Boogie appear in all of them. So in the the hanging tree one, he's over in the bushes. Swimming pool one, obviously we've seen he's in the swimming pool. And the car one, I think he's just walking around in the background in the garage.
1: So, like, as a true crime writer, if you were to find these and not turn these in, you would just suspect, okay, This is a serial killer. He's appearing in all the tapes. Gotta be, gotta be it.
0: You would think, yeah, like, oh, it's this guy. He's just a weird looking dude who's manipulating kids. Is this when you find out that, like, I don't think you see any of the kids yet. You just see this guy.
1: Yeah, so he just sees Bagul and then the the deputy comes over ellison's like hey i i need you to look up all these or he i think he calls um he's like i need you to look up all these cases for me um it'd be a really big help so he talks about the murders in the different towns and everything in the years and then you get the jump scare where we have mr boogie up on his laptop and he's looking away and it mo- the image moves and then it moves back so ellison never sees it
0: i like this scare i thought that was good it was subtle it was way better than all of the stupid jump scares There's also a part I think right before this where the daughter is like I want to make coffee for my dad and takes it to him and he's very rude to her but later you find out it was probably a good thing that he was rude.
1: Well he took the coffee from her and then shut the door in her face so maybe if he'd been nicer she wouldn't have been seduced to the dark side.
0: Do you think she was trying to poison him right then too though? No. All right.
1: Because he doesn't see the poison in his cup until that one, that one time. I think it's just building up the habit that when he wants coffee, his daughter brings it to him. Okay. Because I think so she's it's not out of the norm when she brings some coffee. I
0: think she's involved from right here, though.
1: But what is she even poisoning him with?
0: I don't know. You could poison people with lots of stuff. Eye drops, I guess. It'd make you shit
1: yourself. Yeah, but how is she poisoning him enough that he is like sedated, but he's not dead?
0: Horrifying Kids aren't that smart. I, well, Bagul's probably telling. Telling them what to do.
1: What did Bagul go to the supermarket and get me some chloroform
0: here? <laughs> Maybe it he was in the house already. He already committed one crime here. Maybe he had a, a stash.
1: Imagine him in the local grocery store just pushing your oh cart. Oh
0: my god. Everyone would be like, oh no. Did Chris Angel get hit by a car?
1: <laughs> uh Chris Angel moved in here. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> god, this neighborhood's going to shit. You got magicians.
1: Yeah, so uh after he sees Mr. Boogie move and move or he doesn't see it. After that scare happens, he is looking back on footage. He had had a camera with him recording. He took it up there to record. And so he can see himself falling through the floor. And all these little kids hands are all around him just pushing him down.
0: Oh, that's how he fell through the floor. Okay.
1: Yeah, they pushed him down. I guess
0: that makes sense. Yeah, because I just wrote down, what the fuck, Hands? That did not click in my mind.
1: <laughs> Hands. Well,
0: there was a lot happening too, because then uh, we've got Trevor, who's had another night terror, and now he's just hiding in the bushes.
1: I did actually like this, where um, it's nighttime again. Ellison is, you know, doing his normal, you know, evidence tampering, <laughs> and he has a picture of Bagul standing in the bushes when the family was hanged, and he has it like up to the window. When he pulls it down, he sees Bagul in the bushes. Goes outside to be like, "I've got to beat this." demon with a bat and his son is just standing in the bushes (laughs) this makes much more sense than standing in a box but they're much more concerned about this one why are white people in horror movies so dumb how are you going
0: to beat up a demon with a baseball bat why would he approach that I guess he doesn't know it's a demon he thinks it's a weird guy
1: yeah he thinks it's a serial killer also not
0: great maybe don't approach them either yeah I don't know I do like the part and this is the only part with the kids that I like is you think that so like a big yeah big like Rottweiler comes up and he's growling and barking at him and, and Allison's like, oh, do not hurt me, dog. You are big and scary. But the dog it turns out to just be growling at the demon kids that are standing behind him.
1: Yeah, I did like that shot.
0: Yeah, that was the only good use of those kids.
1: And the dog just goes away because he's like, you know what? I can't save you here. Like, I
0: don't have time for your shit.
1: Dog runs away. He goes inside. He and his wife have another fight about how she's not happy that he has gone crazy so fast into writing this book.
0: I am talking about a potentially important work here. I'm talking about a mega hit. This could be mine in cold blood, a movie deal, Uh, talk show circuit, right? The National
1: Book Award. The fight is eventually stopped because Ellison makes a joke about the dog being big like Cujo and they laugh about it and it's weird. Cujo's not
0: even a Rottweiler.
1: He's a St. Bernard. Why are they laughing? And then, yeah, it's boring.
0: Up until that part, I thought that scene was really, really good. The acting and the actual, like, fight between them was very realistic.
1: They didn't know how to end it.
0: Yeah, that was the main problem. But then again, I feel like that's a lot of actual fights. I don't know. It seemed realistic enough.
1: It seems so abrupt to me.
0: That's not how you and Michael end every single fight?
1: Yeah, we just laugh about big dogs. Obviously. It's morning again. Is it morning again? I don't know. Where am I at? I don't know either.
0: It's so dark in the movie. Who can tell?
1: Uh. (laughs) Morning. The deputy is the one, the next morning, he is like, Hey, there's a really weird connection because... All these murdered families have lived in each other's houses, essentially. Like, you can trace the murders according to the addresses.
0: Yeah, it's like a line. It's like, oh, these people moved here, and then they got murdered in the next house they moved to. And then the people who moved into that murder house moved again and got murdered in their new house and on and on and on in a line. Yeah. Which you would think, given that information, he would not move at the end of the movie. He's
1: so fucking dumb.
0: He's really dumb.
1: He's so dumb. So yeah, so they discover that connection, and then we get the the lawnmower snuff film with the kid tying up their family and then running their, their heads over with lawnmower.
0: This was the only good jump scare. I really liked this one.
1: Oh, it happened so sudden. I was like, woo!
0: I know, this one, it made me jump out of my seat, but I feel like this one yeah. was such a good release of tension that I did not mind that it was a jump scare because one hadn't happened for so long. Like, if you're gonna have a movie with jump scares, fine, but space them out so it's not just over and over and over to the point where the audience is annoyed.
1: Yeah, I like that there's that build of tension where you see the lawnmower, but there's nothing in frame, and then all of a sudden the, the, the family member's head is there, and it's like, whoop!
0: Yeah, that was good. It. I feel like for the most part, the movie's not super gruesome, so that was a good point to have that scare. But yeah, I think Deputy So-and-So... He, like, gave him the occultist guy's information?
1: Yeah, and that's what happens next. We have the, you know, oh, I looked up the symbols you sent.
0: A deity? What kind of deity?
1: Uh, A a very obscure one, dating back to Babylonian times, named Bagul, the eater of children.
0: Did you say eater?
1: Yes, uh, of,
0: of children. Here's the thing. I was pissed that this is all they utilized this actor for. His name is Vincent something.
1: Yeah. he's a good actor. He's
0: the sexy man from Law & Order CI, and I love him.
1: Yes! uh, That's the only
0: reason I watched that show, because CI sucks. SVU is the good one. We all know that. But I really like him.
1: I don't even think they needed this.
0: They didn't need it at all.
1: Because he's clearly some sort of supernatural entity. They don't need to clarify to me it's a demon.
0: No, he could have just looked up, like, demon symbols and seen the same one and just... I don't know. They could have had a scene... Where Edward Cullen gets on Bing.com and is like, vampire baby. Oh, I found all the information. It could have been that. And it would have done the exact same thing.
1: He has at least written one good book. But you think that as soon as you discover another murder is connected, you would investigate that murder. So if you read one article, they'd be like, yeah, there was a weird symbol written on the wall. This is what we found out. It's related to this. I'm sure one of those articles were like, we talked to the local professor and he said the symbol was this. But he doesn't do any research. Debbie So-and-so does all his research. Well, maybe
0: everyone who keeps moving into these houses are also tampering with evidence and now everything is fucked. Dumb. I don't know but yeah the the bagul eats children's souls apparently. Each story involves
1: a a, a different way that he lures or tricks these children uh, away from the physical world and traps them in his own netherworld Except he doesn't really- if he ate them, they wouldn't still be there though, right? I don't know.
0: It, this is where the movie just stops making any form of sense.
1: By trying to explain it so thoroughly, they make it make less sense.
0: Like, I'm not a dumbass, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. <sighs> But I I don't need all of this hand-fed to me. Uh, Less is more in situations like this. This could have been a really good movie, but they just want all of this exposition for no fucking reason.
1: Well, and guess what? Demons are evil. They can do things just because they're evil. They don't have to have a reason to it. Right?
0: I don't need the demon to have a motive. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. Okay. It's night again. He wakes up to the sound of his projector going off. We get another jump scare where he is checking to see if his kids are up. And he looks in on his his daughter's room and it looks like she's sleeping. But when we cut to her, she's staring directly at one of the dead girls who's going, shh.
0: Oh yeah, that's Stephanie, her imaginary dead best friend stuck in the nether realm.
1: These parents, they're never going in their kids' rooms because she has drawn the family hanging on her wall.
0: Yeah, they never address that. Like, she draws something later. It might be now-ish. I
1: think it's right. It's the next day when it happens, I think.
0: Because they see, like... A creepy drawing of Stephanie, the missing girl from this house on the wall. And she's like,
1: that's my friend. Yeah,
0: she's like, she didn't want me to draw it in my room because it used to be someone else's room. I don't know. It.
1: I think her brother's.
0: Yeah, just given her an excuse to do the cliche creepy drawing kid thing.
1: But uh, after we get that jump scare with his daughter, he goes to inspect the rest of the house and that's where we get that long sequence of him looking for whoever made the noise and the ghost kids like running in slow motion behind him with no payoff because he can't see them. It's
0: stupid. It's pointless. I feel like the only thing that it was trying to explain was that's what all the noise has been. And that's it. Like that's why he went up into the attic because he kept hearing footsteps. It's just those kids that were running around
1: the next morning we get a very funny scene because Ellison falls asleep on the couch and you get the no reason sunrise shot where they're just trying to be cool and have it transition day and the deputy comes over and Ellison looks crazy and sounds crazy. she's like so uh the mur- the murders that happened here uh you don't think they were anything like supernatural, right? Did the family ever say anything weird about the house? Do you know? I don't believe in
0: any um <laughs> you know stuff stuff you mean the supernatural the metaphysical the paranormal that type of stuff right (laughs) right of course you don't you never would have moved into a crime scene if you did but here we are having this conversation the cop holds it together pretty well in this i i really like this scene
1: yeah mine too
0: the cop's been good through the whole thing but this i think was my favorite scene with him he also isn't like no there's no supernatural stuff you're dumb He's like, yeah, probably, I don't know, ghosts and stuff, right? He's like,
1: yeah, people died here. What do you mean? There's a very good chance you're seeing things, of course.
0: Probably a lot of bad energy in this murder house that you moved your family into, fucking weirdo.
1: Oh, also, the scene that happened the night before where he's running from the... Or he's, like, walking through the house. Why did he just not turn any lights on? Like, he just walked through the house in complete darkness. I don't understand why you would just wouldn't turn the lights on.
0: This is what I'm saying. The movie is too dark to be scary. I cannot tell what's happening. I don't know. Because this is, like, the third time he's done that. He didn't turn on any of the lights. Turn
1: the fucking lights on!
0: Well, he didn't do that when he went to, like, check out the stuff in the attic. Yeah, I can't remember him ever turning the lights on. Unless he's like, I don't want to wake up my wife or anyone, so I'm just going to sneak around. I don't fucking know.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the deputy leaves, and then they see the picture of Stephanie that their daughter has drawn. And then, of course, uh, Allison and Tracy, his wife, they have another fight. That's all they do in the movie. Oh my god,
0: she finally figured it out. Hey, it's not like we're sleeping where somebody was killed, it's not like they had to wipe blood off the walls Whoa, for the open wait, house. So saying
1: it didn't happen here, no, it, it happened in the backyard. Oh, that is so sad. You let our, our daughter play back there. It's like, yeah, who cares?
0: Yeah, this was ridiculous. This dude is such an asshole. He tries so hard to justify it, too.
1: I would just be done. I'm like, I'm taking the kids. I'm going. You can stay here and write your murder book.
0: Yeah, she said if it gets bad again, I'm leaving. Why didn't she leave? It's
1: so bad. Why is she still here? It wouldn't
0: have mattered either way. So I guess that's why.
1: No. She even says your kids are your legacy. And I was like, ew, gross. Because she's just like, you're so obsessed with needing to write another hit that the books aren't important. Your kids are what's important. And I'm like,
0: mm, gross. He should have made the kids become child actors. That's how he could have gained fame from being a stage dad, I guess. Yeah, it's perfect. Sometimes I really resent my parents for not forcing me to be a child actor. Is that weird? Does anyone else feel that way? Let me know.
1: I think it feels weird just because you're so confident with yourself as a child that you're like, I would have been famous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Why wasn't I? I I could have been...
1: Like there's not hundreds of children actors out there. Yeah, but
0: I could have been the best one. Also,
1: you live in Ohio, so there's a lot less opportunity. Well, we could have
0: moved to California. I could be a billionaire. I could have been dead by 26.
1: I don't know. Does your mom listen to this podcast? Would you like to... uh...
0: She doesn't know how... I feel like she's afraid that the podcast will disappear. I
1: think it's very funny that my dad has figured it out and your mom has not.
0: My grandma thinks we host, like, a radio show. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, yeah, what's going on in the movie?
1: They have their fight, and then that night ends up being the last night, uh, the final straw. So Allison falls asleep again to his interviews. Then he he wakes up to what sounds like um, the projector going. But it's not on. So he goes to his murder room. It's not... It's The projector isn't playing. And then you do get the cool... I do like the ladder shot. I think they duplicate it in the sequel. Because I think that was the only thing in the sequel I liked too. Where the, the image is kind of glitching as he's walking closer and closer to the ladder. The only
0: thing I remember from the sequel is this subplot about this like radio station... I need to rewatch it, but I thought that subplot would have made a way better movie than whatever they made.
1: I remember this visual of like this, it was very similar to the latter shot in this, but it was red. Yeah, I don't
0: remember anything from the sequel.
1: And the ghost kids talk in the sequel, it's so dumb. Oh,
0: it was dumb already while they're not talking, so that sounds way worse. No one liked the sequel though, so no, obviously it wasn't great.
1: Ellison goes up the ladder and all the uh, the ghost kids are sitting on the floor watching one of the snuff films. And then Bagul shows up on the film. But then you get the jump scare where he kind of just kind of tilts into frame like, Hello! Yeah. He's not
0: scary. <laughs>
1: booga, booga, booga. <laughs> oh,
0: they do that again right before the end credits. And it's stupid then
1: too. So Ellison runs from the attic because he's scared. Takes the tapes He burns them. Oh, wait, no, that's not even what happens. He falls like out of the opening to the attic, the hole that he had fallen through before. It's like Bagul just keeps throwing stuff through the hole. So he throws the projector and he throws the films like these are yours. Take them.
0: Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I wondered why I just wrote throwing shit. (laughs) Was the demon throwing poop at the walls? Ellison
1: takes the films outside. He sets them on fire in like this little barbecue grill. And his wife comes outside and she's just like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're leaving right now. <laughs> so they get all the kids and they leave.
0: You think that they're not going to make it out of the house or out of the town on time because the mean sheriff pulls him over. But then he's like, oh, you're leaving town. OK, stop speeding, but get the fuck out of here.
1: I don't want to be reading in your book that angry town folks chased you out of here. If you've been mistreated, I don't want to know about it. There isn't going to be any book. No book. No, sir. Well then, I don't see any reason for me to have your autograph. They leave and they go back to their old house because they haven't sold it yet. Huge fucking mansion. Jesus. Huge fucking mansion. The deputy tries to call him all day. He doesn't answer, and he thinks everything is fine. And then that night, he sees that the professor has sent him an email. He looks at the email. Oh, he actually, I think he talks to the professor because he's like, yeah, you sent me these symbols or uh, I can't remember. He like found him images throughout history of like, oh yeah, this is uh, the oldest recorded things we can see of Bagul and how he used to use images to uh, to get into your brain or something. And it's these medieval images of the, like, a medieval version of the murders that have he's seen on the snuff films. Yeah, he
0: just says, he lives in the images.
1: Uh-oh. And
0: guess what's drawn on the walls because of your stupid daughter?
1: He finds the home movies in his new, his new house, but he finds an envelope that are full of the ends of all the films that were cut off, and so when he adds them to the films, and watches them, he discovers that the missing kids are the ones who are committing the murders, and they look at the camera and go, shh, and then they disappear.
0: Dude, I love this. One, because Bagul is a lazy piece of shit for not just putting those together himself. But I love his director's cut of the movies, and also I love that line where uh, I think Ashley has seen them, and she's like, yeah. These are much better this way. Thanks, Daddy.
1: Oh, and before he watches the films, he does answer the call from the deputy, and the deputy is like, hey, look. Each family that you had me look
0: up had previously lived in the house where one of the earlier murders took place. Listen, Mr. Oswald,
1: you just moved out of the last house in line. If, if this guy is still out there, you not only just sped up his timeline, you put yourself in it.
0: But what was their other option? It's like stay in the house and just be tortured or move and die. Like, they both suck.
1: You know what? Bagul is so fucking lazy that give it, like, a week, he would have just been tired.
0: Yeah, he might just stop. Or call an exorcism, I guess. I don't know. Or an exorcist.
1: So, Ellison watches the extended cuts, discovers the kids are murdering, and then, uh, he realizes that his coffee has been drugged, and his daughter wrote him a note that's like, good night, (sighs) daddy.
0: This part's so stupid.
1: And then he wakes up and he's all tied up on some tarps, which I'm just like, how did this little girl do all of this? Kids are weak.
0: How did she drag? The brother I can understand. He's like 12. But the mom and the dad, how are you dragging them around the house like this? Is the boogeyman helping? Clearly not.
1: You know what makes even less sense? What? So the last shot of the movie is her walking down the hallway that she is painted with blood with the camera. If you're going to make this big of a mess, what is the point of putting a tarp under everybody? That's a good point. Why did she do that? She's just like, the floors are harder to replace than the walls. I guess so. Yeah, because
0: he wants someone to move into this house. Get
1: someone else to move in here afterwards. Maybe
0: he was a realtor in his past life. Maybe it was just a set piece for their movie because they are making little movies. I don't know.
1: Jeez, Bagul is such a film bro.
0: Man, Ashley fucks them up real good. She cuts off their heads and then she draws that little drawing of them with their heads like feet away from their bodies. Ugh. And then they blue skidoo into the fucking
1: movie. Yeah, she, he, Bagul comes up and picks her up and then they go right into the film.
0: And then there's one more jump scare of him tilting his head. Ah.
1: It's almost like he's leaning down going, did you like my movie? <laughs>
0: Oh my god.
1: And that is how the movie ends. I hate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. I don't hate it. I hate the last half of it.
1: I hate the logic of it. I don't think the premise itself is bad, but I think a lot of the logic behind it doesn't make sense.
0: I think it sucks when they try to make it make sense, though.
1: What would happen if it's modern day and nobody with a family wants to move into a murder house, so the only people murdering, moving into the murder houses are, like, elderly couples? What does Bagul do then? Ignores
0: them until someone with kids moves in? I don't know. This is the thing. I finished the movie and I was like, well, I don't have any kids, so this isn't scary. Like, there's no possibility... Of this happening to me.
1: No, I'm also not an asshole, and I wouldn't evidence tamper and not give the fucking snuff films to the cops. No, I
0: have a moderately big ego, probably, but I'm not a complete fucking moron. Like, what am I? I'm not gonna solve a crime. I'm lazy. I don't want that. That's a lot of responsibility.
1: And when he discovers that he thinks it's a serial killer, that means that serial killer has not been caught. And the last film is fairly recent. So this person could still be on the loose murdering people. And the cops don't know it's a serial killer. So anyone else that dies after that is his fault. And it makes me mad.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Then again, I feel like even if he'd gone to the cops because it's a demon, there's really nothing they could have done. I
1: don't know. They could have, like, been like, well, the next murder that happens, we'll just burn the house down. Then what the fuck does he do? Huh. I don't know.
0: Does he just have to live in that spot?
1: Also, what is that transitionary period like when Bakul decided to start using film?
0: Oh, when he gets tired of using the super eight and he has to switch to digital
1: well they say he's like a babylonian demon so like he's only been doing this film thing for like a 100 years that's true not not even that long
0: how long has okay yeah this doesn't make sense but i guess they were doing it with like the cave drawings before
1: if tracy had taken the kids and just left would that mean that the daughter would then go crazy then and kill them, but then leave the dad? Or would it not be complete since the dad is the one who initiated the possession?
0: Also a great question. I I do not know. And you know what? They don't answer a single thing in the sequel from what I remember. It's just another family. And I feel like they live on a, on a farm. I could be wrong. I need to rewatch it.
1: At least with, like, Malignant, I understand why the people who like it like it. Like, I can just see it's not for me. There's a lot of things about this movie that... There's nothing really inventive about it. I don't think any of the scares are really that scary. Is the only reason that people think it's scary are because of the snuff films? And in that case, do you think if the Bukeepsie tapes were more popular that people would just think that was scary? Because I've heard that's essentially what that whole movie is.
0: I don't necessarily think that it's the snuff film part. I think it's the jump scares because the way that they measured that was like, using heart rate or, like, um... Oh, I just watched, like, a TED Talk on this today. The the skin conduction thing that they do, which I think just measures if you have, like, goosebumps or something. But I, I think that's why it was so high up, was because there were so many jump scares that your heart rate keeps elevating. I don't think... This is actually a scary movie. I think it tricks you into thinking that because it just keeps jumping out at you.
1: It's not that I'm opposed to jump scares, I just don't like lazy jump scares.
0: No, if they're done well, like a good chunk of the descent is a lot of jump scares, but the story was still really good. It was still really well made. And I think when you brought up Malignant, Malignant knows. It's in on its own joke. Yeah. This movie does not have a sense of humor. This is just a very cookie cutter, boring, wannabe blockbuster horror movie. There's nothing special about it. Man, this movie pissed me off way more than I realized.
1: Yeah, it made me angry in the first time I saw it, because I was just hoping that I would see something more redeeming in it.
0: No, when you know the twist, it's way worse. I knew the twist and I'd never seen it, and it was ridiculous.
1: But yeah, that is, that is sinister. Should we go into ratings? I don't want to be more harsh on this film.
0: You sound so defeated. Yeah, let's, let's do it.
1: I don't even know what to give this, a rating for this movie. I think I know what I'm leaning towards, but tell me what your rating is.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna give this a two out of five stars. I like the performances, and I like the, the innovation of the, like, actual snuff films. But otherwise... It did absolutely nothing for me. It, it was a lot of cheap scares and a lot of things that didn't make
1: sense. That solidified where I was at. Yeah, I, I was thinking two also. Okay. Mine's two out of five. And it is, I was thinking. Yeah. The only thing I really like is I think the snuff films are creepy enough that without them, I, this film would be so fucking
0: boring. It already doesn't make sense. So if you took that part out of the movie, it would make
1: even less sense. But yeah, so two out of five. And then it's a one for horror struck rating. I just, yeah, I would never find myself in this situation because I'm not a fucking idiot.
0: Well, and that's the thing. We wouldn't do any of the things that he did. Yeah, and (laughs) I do not and have no plans to have kids. So there's really no situation I would ever be in where this would become a concern. I gave it a two out of 10, mostly... Just for that fucking lawnmower jump scare is really good.
1: The lawnmower, yeah, it's really good.
0: And there is just an overall sense of dread to the movie, but I've seen a lot of movies that do that way better. Like, fucking Hereditary is the most evil movie I've ever seen, and it just the sense of dread from the beginning is so apparent. So, yeah, th- it was nothing special.
1: All right, well, that's gonna be it for Sinister. Next week, we're going to be watching something that we have both seen and we both really like. What are we watching? We're going to be watching the movie His House that came out in 2020.
0: Hell yeah. I have wanted an excuse to rewatch this since I saw it.
1: It's on Netflix, so easily streamable. So if you want to check it out before we review it next week, you should do it. I'm excited.
0: I remember this movie, there was one specific visual that scared the shit out of me to the point where I kept watching but I had to take my glasses off so that I like could not <laughs> fully see it. It was fun. I liked it a lot.
1: It's very good and very smart horror. Yeah I'm excited to talk about it. Not enough people have seen it so. Yeah that's crazy. Get on it. All right horror fans thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horror Struck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram, where we are at HorrorStruckPod. Or you can check us out on Facebook at Podcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own HorrorStruck rating. Until next time, horror fans. Remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye.